0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy podcast. My name's Dave, and I'm recording this at Stand Up Tragedy's Home Away From Home at the Edinburgh Festival, where we're staying for the duration of our run at the Edinburgh Festival. Greetings from me and the Stand Up Tragedy team. We are so pleased to be part of the PBH Free Fringe and to get to share some tragedy live on stage with brilliant performers every night until the 14th of August at the Fiddler's Elbow at 6.30 till 730 one hour of free tragedy. Every day of the festival, we'll be bringing to you some tragic acts. And we're also collecting tragedy all across the festival. To share your complaints, disasters, and sad tales of the Fringe, tweet at Stand Up For Tragedy, or post one on our Facebook page. Email us at upstandingtragedy at gmail.com or just use the hashtag tragicmoments, and we'll track them down. So you share your tragedies with us, and we'll keep sharing our live tragic performances with you. Today's podcast features Steve Cross, who is a science communicator and stand-up comedian. He usually organises science or academic or geek-orientated comedy nights like Bright Club and Geek Show Off, Museum Show Off, Science Show Off, he really does a lot. But for Stand Up Tragedy, but for Stand Up Tragedy, he chose to do something different. We'll listen to that performance after he explains why he decided to try telling a tragic tree story to our audience for the first time.
1: Well, originally I thought, because mostly I do uh, science based things uh, and I have a climate change set ready to go, I thought I'd do a climate change based set. But then um, just last week I was talking to a friend of mine about. Uh, one of the films that I'm going to talk about and realise that I have stories that I've been telling about going to see this film for 13 years which have almost punchlines written into them so I thought if I stitch those together with a couple of other things and a couple of bits about my life um, that I think will be a bit nicer for the tragedy people because I want to do something special rather than just do a bit of my normal set that's slightly unhappy. I have to say, uh, I haven't done the fringe many times. Uh, I've done a couple of sets a couple of years ago, and then a couple of sets this year. This is the first one that I haven't written and tried out in London beforehand. So we are we're going to find out live in a basement whether it's a good idea to do new stuff in Edinburgh.
0: Stand
2: up tragedy.
1: Hello, everybody. Wasn't that one of the most awkward introductions ever? <laughs> Uh, no, it's quite nice. It's quite nice uh, to have a, a slightly awkward introduction when you've got to come on and and try and do do science comedy after hearing about people who are deeply in love dying, <laughs> unexpected. Because I mean, it's the natural follow on from something like that, isn't it? You know, jokes where the punchline is pie's value to 12 significant figures. No. Uh, so hello, uh, hello, 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 hello. It's good. Very polite crowd you've got, Dave. I like the fact you all said hello. Quite often, crowds will just cheer kind of incoherently and scream at you when you say hello to them if you say how are you doing they just go mental anyway yes so uh, my name's my name's steve cross um uh, i i i i i ought to describe myself as a science comedian uh i run bright club in london i run science show off i run all sorts of things like that but um I've got kind of sick of science recently. <laughs> so I'd, li- I'd like to apologise to the organisers who I promised a whole set of the tragedy of science and climate change and those sorts of things. But um, yeah, I've, I've got sick of science because I've realised that all of science is a lie. <laughs> and the reason I've realised that all of science is a lie is that science is built entirely on maths. And it turns out that maths is a lie. And the reason I know that maths is a lie is that last week, I went through the channels on my Freeview box. There's a channel four plus one, and there's a channel five, and they're not the same. <laughs> so science is completely a lie. Uh, so I've, I've started talking about other things and telling jokes about other things, and one of the weird things that happens when you start standing on stage and trying to be funny and trying to tell stories is that you talk about things in front of a group of strangers that you would never talk about to the people that you know really well who love you. And um, my parents have realized this. So I I don't tell my parents very much about my life, about my love life. You know, we're different generations. Um, You know, they're very religious. I'm not. They don't really approve of quite a lot of the decisions that I've taken. They don't really understand the things I'm into. So I don't tell them much about my life. So now they come to my gigs. Uh, They come to my gigs and they they sit in the front row with a notepad. (laughs) And this has led to... But possibly the harshest heckle I have ever had in my life. Also the quietest heckle I've ever had in my life. Also the only heckle I've ever had in my life from my dad. Uh, I don't think he meant it as a heckle, but I was talking about something. Everything went silent. And just loud enough for everyone in the room to hear it, he turned to my mum and went, Oh, he's straight. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, you end up talking about things that you, you... probably shouldn't talk about. So uh, since we're at Stand Up (laughs) For Tragedy, I think I've broken someone. (laughs) Do you know my parents? Um, So uh, yeah, since we're at Stand Up For Tragedy, I I was actually going to talk to you a bit about depression, because I've been through periods of, of fairly severe depression in my life. Uh, so I was going to tell you about one of those. So It's kind of a real tragedy, but it weaves into it a number of fictional tragedies. Uh, I'm going to be very strong on where the guiding lines are between my tragedy and the fictional tragedies, because as bad as my tragedy gets is having to live in Newcastle. <laughs> do, we, do we have any Geordie's in...? Private. Kind of. a Geordie. Well, I live there. You live there. <laughs> Isn't it horrible? <laughs> No, I say that. It's, it's, so I, I moved to uh, Newcastle in my mid-twenties, which is the worst time to move to Newcastle. Because anyone with, anyone with two A-levels to rub together fucks off when they're 18. And then they come back when they're 38 to raise their kids. Because everything's cheap and there's loads of space. Uh, so I went there when I was 25, which is the absolute kind of bottom of the population gap there. So I went to Newcastle. I, I got really unhappy in Newcastle. And what I would do, because I was really unhappy in Newcastle, is I'd go and visit my friends in London. And you know that somewhere is really depressing when the way you cheer yourself up is going to the rat city boy and estate agent <laughs> infested smog hole that is our capital. Yeah. And, I, and I, would, I would go down and I'd visit three friends of mine who lived together and they were all girls. And what they would do was try and cheer me up. So one time I was down there and they said, well, no, what will cheer you up, Steve. We'll take you to see a film. There's a film on called Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> I take it from the laughter that many of you have seen this. Has has anyone not seen Requiem for a Dream? Okay, don't go and see it. That's all I'm saying. Do not go and see Requiem for a Dream. Now, the way my friends sold the film Requiem for a Dream to me is they said, Steve, uh, Jennifer Connelly's in it. (laughs) Now, you know, in 1986, the film Labyrinth came out. (laughs) Jennifer Connelly was 16, I was 10. I know it's hard to believe, uh, but I was 10 in 1986, and I remember watching Jennifer Connelly. Now, I've told you about the moment when my dad found this out. This is the moment I found this out. I remember watching Jennifer Connelly in Labyrinth and thinking, I like girls. I really, really, really like girls. (laughs) Right now, I like one specific girl, who's a very famous actress and considerably older than me, but that's a start. We'll go from there for the rest of my life. Uh, so for me, you know, Jennifer Connelly is the absolute quintessence of woman, and always has been, and represents to me just kind of innocence, but desire combined together. She's perfect and unsullied, and must never, for instance, be required to end a film ass to ass with another girl double-ending, a dildo the size of a bouncer's arm. That should never happen. 10-year-old me should never have to watch that, even if he's trapped in the body of 27-year-old me. There is no way he should ever have to see that in real life. So uh, that's the end of, the, of, of Requiem for a Dream. Uh, this is the film my friends have taken me to. Let's not forget to cheer me up. I should say, they had form. Three weeks before I'd gone down to visit them, some of you will remember 2000 and the popular films at the time. Some weeks before, I'd gone to visit them, and they said, "Do you know what, Steve? There's a film on with Bjorkin. Shall we go and see that?" <laughs> they said it's a musical with Bjorkin. It's called Dancer in the Dark. That'll cheer you right up. A little bit of a musical with Bjorkin. What they didn't mention: it's a musical. Right at the very end, they put a bag over Bjork's head and they hang her. They hang her for crimes she didn't commit. <laughs> it is the most miserable thing in the world. A friend of mine who's from Leeds left that film five minutes before the end because it's so incredibly dark. Uh, and that was, that, was, that was the original one, and then they took me to see Requiem for a Dream. And uh, for those of you who don't know Requiem for a Dream, Requiem for a Dream these days is mostly famous for providing music for other films' trailers. <laughs> So, uh, Lord of the Rings and Sunshine and a number of other things. Because the actual soundtrack for the film doesn't contain anything that's sufficiently portentous and warns of danger, they just use the soundtrack from Requiem for a Dream instead. So, Requiem for a Dream, uh, it's a story of addiction and it's a story of happiness, which then turns to just hope, which turns to loss, which turns to ass to ass with giant dildo the size of a bouncer's on. That's a bit much for you guys this time of day, isn't it? I've noticed. I might try this again on drunk people at 10. And they'll be like, yes, Steve, has to ass. Anyway, uh, so it ends with that. But at the beginning, they're all very happy. uh, But this portentous music is playing the whole time. And you're sitting there going, this is is a film. They're all happy. They're selling the drugs, and everything's okay, And they're all happy. It'll be fine. And the music's going, they're not fine. Stuff is coming, bad stuff. And you go, no, music, music, you're lying, music. Music, no, they're fine, everything's gonna be... (laughs) The music is not lying. (laughs) It is a very, 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 very miserable film. Now, uh, the thing I remember most of all about this film was uh, it's the first time I'd been to the Odeon in Camden. And, uh, hello, as a guy down from Newcastle, it was very exciting for me to be at the Odeon in Camden. I thought, this is a very cultural bit of London. It's very, very creative. Um, And the weird thing was, at the end of this film, everybody sat through all of the credits and i thought what a cultured cultured crowd they've watched the whole of the credits and then the credits finished and they still didn't move so i thought wow this is incredibly cultured they're they're kind of contemplating the film so then i looked around the entire cinema is full of people like this <laughs> And there they stayed for about five minutes. So I should say, uh, if you ever need to cheer yourself up, uh, the very best thing to do is go and see Requiem for a Dream and then spend the rest of the weekend in a flat with three women who keep spontaneously bursting into tears when they remember any bit of Requiem for a Dream. Uh, And also, don't go and see Requiem for a Dream. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I I know know that's more sharing than you were expected. But thank you very much for dealing with it. I've been Steve Cross. (laughs)
0: If you want to try some of Steve's events, he'll lead you over to all of the information if you follow him on Twitter, where he's at Steve underscore X. And now for something really special. Robin Ince guested on as many shows as he could during his short few days at The Fringe, and one of those shows was Stand Up Tragedy. Robin Ince is one half of the brain behind Radio 4's Infinite Monkey Cage, but he took this opportunity to experiment with Stand Up Tragedy and performed a very personal story. He told our audience about the time he performed the eulogy at his brother-in-law's funeral, the death of his epileptic dog, how he told his son about death, and shared the idea that we are all recyclable atoms who never cease to exist. We just go on to make something else. After the show, producer Briony spoke to Robin about his tragedy and his performance. We are gonna have a listen to that now.
2: Hello, I'm Robert Ince and I do various things like kind of sciencey shows and stand-up.
3: When stand-up tragedy approached you with the idea of doing a slot for us tonight, what... Where you
2: were Well, I like to do. I mean, especially this year in Edinburgh, I'm only up for like 40 hours, and so today I'm doing 11 different shows, and each one has kind of different themes. And I like to have that thing. Like when I got asked to do it, I thought I have no idea what I'm going to do. And then in the walk from doing uh, a poetry show with Phil Jupiter to getting here, I just let the things click into my head. And I thought, well, I'm going to talk about death. I'm going to talk about mortality. I thought, well, I'm quite lucky because I haven't experienced that much tragedy in my life. There's been a few things that have happened, but by the standards of certainly once you get beyond, you know, the kind of privilege privileged world and you think of what many I haven't had to face up to too much hideous premature death and so I was just trying to think I thought well I wonder what's made me weep I wonder what kind of deaths have uh, affected me and then I start to think about doing the eulogy at my brother-in-law's funeral and things like that so I thought I'd talk about all those things
3: well how did it feel to share all of those things well
2: it's I don't know actually I think my the stuff in some ways is very personal even when I'm talking about the universe but what's weird is you have as a comedian uh, even if you're doing something serious you think I should be getting I should be getting laughs I'm not getting laughs, and then you go. I'm not meant to be getting laughs. Uh, This isn't about laughs. You know, what I wanted to do was make something which had a certain lightness, but at the same time was honest. And you know, I never do that stuff again. You know, that that's that's kind of you know, some of those ideas might spring up again, but in terms of that 10 minutes or however long I was talking for, that just exists in that room with that group of 30 people.
3: Did you have an intention of what you wanted them to take away from it? What would you take away if you saw a performer doing something like that?
2: I think if I have any intent in almost everything I do, which is to face up to the fact that uh, the fragility of life, the fragility of life on Earth, the fact that the Earth itself uh, is—you know—as far as we know, we've, we've certainly found nothing with even a hint as yet that there is another planet with such a vibrant selection of life. Though, of course, we have barely explored the universe, and let us hope that there are many planets with such vibrant uh, selection of life. So, it is—I think—part of it is just thinking, right? I've got this life; I've got to try and do as much with it as possible. And then talking about the idea of recyclable. Atoms and the fact that everything that makes us has made many, many other things over the history of the universe. To me, that has a certain delight. I know there are some scientists who go, "Oh beware, you're getting into metaphysics," but I don't think I am. I think the idea is every single atom that makes you and me and everyone who is listening to this has made many things, will make many things. My personal belief is our consciousness. We get one go, and when I die on Earth, that's the end of me, this personality, this thing that is talking and boring you now, but. Everything that's made me will go off and make other things.
3: So that's kind of the way you tend to get your tragic inspiration from. You look at the bigger picture.
2: Well, I think so. And also the, the minor one. You know, I did also, of course, talk about my... Uh, I haven't talked about my epileptic Dachshund before, Maximilian, who uh, sadly died of a stroke. You know, all of these things. I, I think there's so many... I've never... You know, death is something we feel all the time, and if, if you believe life is finite, sometimes you go, oh, this is ridiculous, I mean, it's not when you, I go, I'm halfway through, I might even be more than halfway through, and I look at my bookshelves, and I know I haven't got enough time to even finish those books, why am I buying new books? But it does give tremendous impetus to try and do as much as possible, again, hence why I'm doing 10, 11 shows today.
3: And, you know, you spoke about your son, how would you like him to kind of cope with tragedy? Do you think it's healthy to share it?
2: Yeah, I think, I think we need to make sure, you know, one thing that I don't like is I do find that some people, that, you know, they cling on to tragedy. Tragedy and pain and, and the depression of their existence, it can be a defining thing. It's almost like, you know, if, if you're a true intellectual, you have to be very miserable. You have to, oh the, oh, the pain of existence. And really what we need to do is try and go, right, I can't spend too much time feeling the pain of existence because I've only got this number of days. You know, and when you look at it as a number of days, it can be a terrifying thing. So I hope that he's just, that he's open minded that but at the same time you're know, reasonably clear thinking I mean you know when he does one of the most frightening things for any parent is the two things one is you think at some point I am going to leave my child and that's it and the other side of it of course is the great terror I mean the moment you have a child I do find that yeah you know, I think your whole brain becomes retuned you suddenly find yourself going i'm weeping watching holby city I've, i don't even care about these characters but there's some sad music came on and now i have a child and and so it's interesting to see that- the
3: lack of sleep. Yeah, and the lack
2: of sleep I think, but it's it's also, you do just find yourself having a different view of the world because you have a life which you have to protect. Now for scientific reasons it might merely be because underneath it all you're going much of my code is within there and thus I must make sure that the vehicle continues beyond me. But of course the delight is that nature doesn't make things that simple and that cold.
3: That is exactly what tragedy is all about. We're about sharing the cathartic experience, learning from each other just, yeah, working our way through it. Don't looking at the bad side all the time. Yeah. Um, will you be experiencing much of that over at ed- your 40 hours at Edinburgh? Uh,
2: right. I, I, I'm not going to be able to see anything, but I'm telling you something that I saw uh, in preview, and you must see it. Everyone listening to this must go and see Ben Moore's play, each of us. Ben Moore, who has been writing beautiful plays, such as Super Collider for All the Family, uh, and uh, Poppy Day, and many others. And this new play, I saw saw it recently uh and it's just it's it's a monologue and it's about love and loss and it also has some of the most intricate puns you will ever hear and uh, it's an absolute delight uh i also think bridget Christie's show uh, i've seen a lot of that as, it, as she is in fantastic form it's on at 10 past 11 in the morning so there's nothing else to do and you should do that my friend michael Leg, uh who I've, I've done a double act with before uh he always makes me gleeful there's yeah there's lots of men so many i, I haven't yet seen may martin's show but i hear that's a wonderful show as well I'm Robin Ince, and I had my 10 minutes of attempting to replicate King Lear through memories of an epileptic dachshund at Stand Up
0: Tragedy. If you're a fan of Robin Ince, he's touring two live shows until the end of the year, and one of them features his good friend and past Stand Up Tragedy performer, Josie Long. You can find out everything you need at www.robinintz.com. If you want to listen to Josie Long or any of our other past performers via our podcast, go to the Stand Up Tragedy SoundCloud or find us on iTunes or the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Keep up to date with everything tragic, especially while we're here at The Fringe, through our Twitter, Facebook and our website www.standuptragedy.com. .co.uk. Keep sharing your tragic moments. See as many free shows as possible if you're here at the Edinburgh Festival and don't forget that our show is at the Fiddler's Elbow 6:30 p.m. until the 14th of August. There's more tragedy tomorrow, so join us then because tragedy is best shared. And for now, the tragedy is over. This podcast was produced by Briony Hawkins with audio production from Stephen Harvey. The music comes from Sam Wilkinson, who you can email at radiohuan at gmail.com. The rest of the music was produced by George Brufton, written by the Reactionaries, with added bagpipes from Vaughan Granding. I'm Dave, I'm your host, and the tragedy is once again over. Time to go.
1: Dry your eyes, it's the end of the show.
0: It's time to.